0: Hi everyone, what's your highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us again tonight. This is MIT Podcast. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformation. I'm Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary things in their life, how their mindset shift to help them achieve it. We discuss their story of success and the mindset that drive them into achieving the impossible. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Today, we have a very, very special guest joining us today. Uh, Randy Smith is the founder of Impact Equity. Randy started his real estate investing career doing out of state, single family, long term rental, and he quickly realized the many additional benefits he could receive by switching his strategy to passively investing in multifamily syndication. Today, we'll let Randy get into his strategy and his story and how he achieved those impossible. Randy, thanks for coming to our show. How are you today?
1: Very good. Very good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and your audience.
0: Thanks a lot, Randy. Um, so uh, before we start uh, we have um, um, learned that we have a, a shared uh, common group um, and you know this really excites me because this uh, kind of point out that we we are uh, aligned on you know the, the mindset and value so I kind of want to learn how you become a real estate investor want to give us a little uh, background on, on how you started and and, and your uh, pre real estate. You know, life.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I am basically I'm a sales guy. I've been in or around sales and sales leadership for 25 years through various organizations in corporate America. Um, I worked worked for a large environmental services company for about 10 years, and then most recently, I spent 10 years with a large financial services organization, and I had the opportunity to actually meet with small to medium-sized business owners in person over the last eight years or so. So I got to kind of get into the mind of the entrepreneur, see what kind of makes them tick, and uh, really get kind of a peek behind the curtains on what small business and entrepreneurship looks like um, in contrast to corporate America. Um, so I saw kind of both both sides of the, the spectrum there. So uh, about, f- I don't know, four or five years ago, real estate, I think, it has always been in the back of my mind. My, my dad actually uh, owned apartment complexes in LA. Um, so I got to watch that from a distance. I actually grew up in Northern Michigan, but got to see the success and the wealth that he was able to generate from from owning real estate. And it, it was in the back of my mind that someday after I, I kind of got settled down, I got my feet on the ground, after things stabilized, I would then jump into real estate. And, um, you know, I I had some periods in my career where there would be these lulls between promotions or job moves. Generally, when I would start getting bored in a role, I would start to look at real estate more. And I I would read the real estate books, and I would listen to podcasts, and I would you know, try to start talking to people about this and start tinkering around with it, but inevitably another promotion would come or a job change or something that I would have to put have to put all of my attention into that next role. Um, so that that was kind of the case probably for the last ten or twelve years, and then probably four years ago, five years ago, um, I kind of came to that same position in a career. I had moved into a role, I had actually performed at a a, a very high level, um, won all the awards and got all the accolades, but I started to have a little bit of bandwidth where I could invest my time and energy into investing or um, at least researching on real estate. And that's when I dug in and, and initially pulled the trigger on buying a couple of turnkey rentals out of state. Uh, to start the journey. So it was really a long process with it in the back of my mind, and then finally, it was. Um, honestly, I I was listening to a podcast, and there was a really enthusiastic, energized, super high personality guy that had this fant- fantastic offering, and I was sold. I had been uh, thinking about this for years, and and he pushed me over the top, so I pulled the trigger. Very nice, and uh. So I, you you uh
0: you kind of uh, briefly mentioned that that you started with the out of state turnkey invest uh, investing right yeah um, yeah why 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 did you start with out of state i mean why not in state or somewhere in your backyard
1: yeah good question and and i certainly pro- i would have preferred to start in my own state um but at the time with the education that i had my goal was to acquire a cash-flowing single-family property is what I decided that I wanted to start with, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona, which, as you know, is a very hot market. Um, like my personal residence, in the last last ten years, has about almost four-axed in value. Um, so the the value of these these homes is so high that if I were to buy a three or four hundred thousand dollar property, there was no way. I could have the cash flow that I would need to be cash flow positive, um, and come anywhere near that one percent rule that you hear, or even even the mm-hmm. half a percent. Or you know, there, there was no way I was going to cash flow. And I, you know, I think it's, um, I think the energy and the excitement around real estate investing at times does a disservice to the new investor, where they, you know, new investors quite often think if I can just cover my mortgage, I'm going to be okay, and and I'm here to tell you. Things come up, very, very large expenses happen, and if you're not prepared for that, that can be a pretty scary situation. If you're not uh, financially stable enough to support a five or an eight or a ten thousand dollar expense that comes up, so the 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 cost of the homes in Phoenix um, really created the necessity to invest out of state of state for the strategy that I was leveraging. Very nice. Um,
0: the you you mentioned that the uh like um when you're doing real estate investing it's really important that you consider the cost and also uh be prepared to have some dry powders uh for the largest expensive right
1: sounds like yeah. there's
0: there's a there's a challenge and the difficulty that you experience is, is that something you would like to show to share with us
1: yeah and it's kind of twofold first of all I will say um you know you mentioned having dry powder and I think it's it's really, really important to have your financial house in order before you jump into real estate investing. And, um, what I'll share is that my wife and I were actually very big Dave Ramsey fans and we followed his baby steps and, you know, you know, a lot of people think we're nuts for following those baby steps. But, um, if you can approach real estate, real estate investing with a few dollars in your pocket, it's a very different environment than, trying to come into a deal with no money trying to find seller financing um, you know if you can bring a financial house that's in order to the table a lot of additional options open up for you okay right. so with that being said yeah i i, I bought a couple of turnkeys um and, and fortunately the operator actually slowed me down when i met with him i was ready to buy you know these are eighty hundred thousand dollar houses i'm like I want to go all in and I want to buy 10 from day one and just go big with the guy. And the guy actually, he cautioned me and said, well, no, 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 let's try one or two and see how it mm-hmm. goes. And then we can do more. Um, and thank God that I did. Cause quite frankly, you know, within, um, a couple of months we had some very significant expenses that came up that, wow. um, had I bought a bunch of houses, I would have been, I would have been in a world I'll hurt quite frankly. And, um, Hey, I, I think it's important to know that going into it, that there you're, you're going to have issues um, and you need to have some reserves in place to keep that from happening. I was actually doing getting some things ready for my taxes for my CPA today. And looking back on one of the units we brought, um, we had about a $5,000 roof repair that there was rain that came into the house, so it damaged some drywall and some carpet. So almost $5,000. And then mm-hmm. after that, we had to replace the entire roof, so eight or nine thousand dollars on top of that. So within a two month period, we had fourteen thousand dollars in expenses on this wow. property that I'm cash flowing one hundred and fifty dollars a month. You know, so wow. okay, yeah. So if you do the math on me. that, it's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So was was it uh, syndication or was it uh, just someone was selling house and you're buying from them?
1: Yeah. So it was a, it was a single family rental. Um, By definition, a turnkey rental is supposed to be, you know, fully rehabbed have a tenant in place with good property management and cash flowing. Right. Um, And, and I guess one lesson I learned here was um, in the acquisition process, the operator said to me, asked me if I wanted to get my own inspection and he said, "Well, we've done our own inspections, um, mm-hmm. and we feel confident that this is what it needs." And I thought, you know, this guy is such a stand-up guy. I heard him on a podcast; he must be telling me the truth. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't get my own inspection, and had I got that, I would have probably uncovered twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars worth of repairs that needed to occur that uh, were not completed before the purchase.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did so. you Did you end up have a conversation with the operator? Oh, we had, we had a lot of conversations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and his, the property management was his company as well. I see. And um, yes, we had many, many conversations and ultimately we ended up moving uh, our property management over to another company, which ended up being a fantastic company. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're starting with a dog, yeah. it's going to be a dog no matter yeah. what you do. But mm-hmm. fortunately, fast forward, I think we had those properties two and a half, three years, um, maybe four, yeah, three years, I think. And we just sold both of those for, Mm. you know, I I think we made 20 or 30 grand a piece in profit on those Mm. after everything was over and done with. Um, Mm. but the learning and the experience and the education that I learned from it was worth with, was worth every bit of stress that I might've incurred. So, yeah. Right.
0: So was it was this your first deal? This was your first deal, right? You just started? yeah, that
1: was my first deal, and I bought two deals through him. Um,
0: okay, yeah. So uh, this lessons um, must help you uh, make your next uh, acquisition
1: to be more successful, right? It did. It did. Yeah. So we we very quickly realized that we wanted to be more in control of that renovation process, so we mm-hmm. knew the quality that we were getting. We also um, learned that we should have done more due diligence on the market that we bought. in. we bought in Kansas City, which is a decent market, but it's not mm-hmm. a super hot market. Um, yes. So we ended up moving forward and started leveraging the BRRRR strategy uh, in Atlanta, because at the time, Atlanta, it looked like it was about to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, the market was was heating up, much like it was here in Phoenix and a lot of the other Sunbelt markets. Mm-hmm. And um, we jumped in full speed with, uh, the burst strategy at that point in Atlanta. Mm. I see. I see. And with your current, uh, in- investing journey, how, uh, what's your portfolio look like? So, so I have since actually sold all of, uh, all of my single families. So we ended up, um, burring three homes in Atlanta, um, all the way like full gut rehab on one of them and probably a mid-level and then somewhat of a cosmetic flip. Um, but we did three burst strategies and over the course of, um, you know, of what, two and a half years, I guess this all happened during COVID too, which added some interesting twists to that process. But yeah, we were able to generate a significant amount of wealth by mm-hmm. um, leveraging the burst strategy on those properties in Atlanta and learned just a ton. Um, right. But, but I found pretty quickly that, you know, in order, the goal the whole time was for me to increase my... I'll, and I'll do air quotes passive income, um, because I'll share with you burst strategy and turnkey strategy are anything but passive income. Um, it was a part-time job doing that. Um, right. But after doing the, after doing the math, I probably needed between fifty and hundred homes uh, in order to replace my income and decrease my dependence on my W two. So. Like many different, many different investors, I started looking at multifamily mm-hmm. and the syndication model, which is the path that we pursued at mm-hmm. that time. So as of today, our portfolio is just our single family, our, our own personal residence. And then we're invested in 16 different syndications as an LP. And the majority of those investments are in multifamily. But we've also invested in mobile home uh, funds. Mm. We've invested in uh, self-storage. And most recently, we invested in an ATM fund as well. Wow. So an operator that buys ATM machines and places them in retail facilities. Mm. So we've, uh, we've gone, all, gone all in on passive investing, um, which is, in my, my experience, the truest form of passive investing. You simply do your due diligence on the operator. Invest your dollars and then sit back and verify that they're hitting your bank uh, every month or every quarter.
0: So, so so far, your um, experience with LP has been um, great.
1: It's been fantastic. Yes. So we've been doing this now almost two full years. Um, We've already had one deal go full cycle, which means that the operator bought an apartment complex, They reno- it's very similar to the burr or a flip. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're flipping an apartment. But they bought, renovated, retenanted, so put new tenants in, and then sold in. on this most recent deal. It was 14 months. And uh, we got a 1.8 equity multiple on that investment in wow. just 14 months.
0: Yeah, considering the market has been super hot in the past,
1: like it has. two years, right? It has absolutely yep. very nice.
0: Um, so uh, you were saying that you're you're investing, you know, more than ten uh, syndication right now. Uh, were those all out of state, or is there a specific uh, area that you look at? And what study did you do for the for the market? And 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 what what would uh, what what are you currently doing mm-hmm. to be to to ensure your success?
1: Yeah. Thank you. And and I think that's a really, just like any investment that you do, you're going to want to do due diligence. Um, Mm -hmm. I will share transparently that my first two passive investments, I just simply invested with very large national brands that have a very strong presence in the community, have very large figureheads as their leaders. Um, So I made a bet that large, um, well-respected brands would do a very good job. And I invested with, um, you know, I would say, I would say some due diligence. Um, but early on, you just, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, so I, I thought that investing in a large brand would decrease my risk. And fortunately that has worked out very well because both of those investments have done very well. Um, but as I became more educated on it and started to get, better networked in the community and started learning the business more. I started learning the questions to ask and learning the operators to look at and learning that track record is the most important thing that you can ever take a look at when you're looking at an operator. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of different operators out there that have no track record at all. Maybe they've gone to some weekend seminar, they've paid 30 grand for some mentorship. um, um, But they don't actually have any experience. And Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic that people have the opportunity to do that, but I just don't want to invest my dollars with somebody who's learning how to do this business. I want to invest my dollars with people that that have exactly. done it, have experienced doing it, and have exhibited um, amazing results, like best-in-class results. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always worked, even in my W-2, I always worked for the biggest brands in the space that I worked. Um, so I've got a big... I, I put a lot of value in that brand and everything that comes along with the brand
0: mm-hmm. so reputation basically is what you care most absolutely um absolutely number uh number wise is there anything that you will be looking uh, specifically when when you review a syndications uh, is there a specific number that you will be caring most uh, or other than the reputation of the operator what else will you look at?
1: Yeah, so it, it, it's interesting. I think if you were to collect the investor deck from a hundred different syndicators, I think eighty percent of them are going to show fourteen to seventeen percent IRR, three to five percent cash on cash, you know, one point five to two point x equity multiple in two to five years. So, so an investor deck is a, is a beautiful marketing piece and a great sales tool. And I think it, it talks to the level of professional professionalism that that operator has, but a performa and a deck is just simply a marketing piece. So, mm-hmm. um, you're betting on the jockey and a jockey that's never made it around the track. Uh, you have no way of knowing whether you can get around the track or not. So, um, I, I think when you see newer operators that that are partnering with more experienced folks that have track records, I think mm-hmm. that's really the only way that operators should get started because mm-hmm. they're they're leveraging the the experience of the other operators. Exactly. Ultimately. Exactly. So that that is really what I look at. So investor decks don't mean a lot to me other than mm-hmm. I want to make sure they look professional. And um, I heard somebody today that said um, an investor deck is kind of like. Um, going to an interview and Mm -hmm. you know, if you show up in sweatpants and a t-shirt to an interview uh, you're going to have a very different result than if you show up in a suit like you're dressed, you know, super sharp today. So, um, but if you don't bring any content and you don't have anything positive to say and you can't talk about any experience that you have, Mm -hmm. then the best suit in the world isn't going to, isn't going to make you a good interview interview candidate. Right. So, right. You need to have both. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: throughout your um uh, your journey, I think you're now has been turning into more of a pure investor instead of someone mm-hmm. who would really uh dive into a real estate and uh you know operate deals and look for deals, right?
1: Yeah. Um, yep.
0: what's your focus right now?
1: Yeah, good question. So I um a few months ago I actually ended up um getting laid off from my W 2 position after ten plus years or so And uh, in hindsight, it's actually it's turning into a blessing in disguise because I've gone I've gone all in on this passive investing space. And I'm really trying to create a platform that helps to educate the passive investor because there's a lot of uh, meetups and podcasts and books and there's a lot of resources and material to learn how to become an investor or become a syndicator or a real estate investor but there's a, not a lot of resources that are available available to educate the passive investor so my my new business impact equity was was formed solely for that purpose to educate the passive investor and help the traditional investor transition over to passive investing through the use of the syndication model in real estate and across all different types of assets. So Mm. I've partnered with a local syndicator who I personally have invested in nine of their deals and a a large portion of my net worth. And now I'm actually helping bring investors to the table for him as well. So um, the goal is to educate and connect investors with very good deals.
0: Mm, I see. I see. So uh, do you find that to be your passion? Like, really um you know sharing the the expertise or experience on doing uh you know being a passive investors and 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 like teach people what to look after and things like that is that your passion yeah,
1: yeah I, and i love that you asked that question because it's something that um you and i both have a coaching background and one of the very first questions that is asked in some of our one-on-one coaching, and I, I suspect you did had the same question because you have the same coach that I do. Um, but we started talking about that, like what what is the passion, and what is like where do you feel that flow state? Where do you where do you lose track of time? Where do you find your groove? Where do you where do you come alive? Right, feel the <laughs> flow. And for me, when I look back at my career, there's been three or four different times. When I kind of, when I rose to the top of the stack ranks and was the highest performer in a certain area, and I was the absolute best at what I did, and then I got to start training people or coaching or mentoring people how to replicate those results. And I Mm -hmm. find that when I'm working, working one-on-one with one person and I can help guide them along that process, that's where I hit my flow state and where I feel um, I just completely, I, you can tell, like I get animated, even just thinking about yep. getting animated about it. So it's, um, yes, if I think, you know, when I look back at my time that I spent researching and following and doing the things that Dave Ramsey did, the, the impact that that had to my life and my family tree and my loved ones has been absolutely amazing. So yeah. if I can help teach folks how to get out from those shackles of financial constraints, and start to live in an abundance mindset with finances in their wealth, like the results can be absolutely amazing. And, um, and, and it's pretty exciting to think, you know, if I, if I raise X amount of dollars and we're able to double that for our investors, like that has real concrete results for those people and for their families please, and for their family trees, quite frankly. So um, yes. So very nice
0: um yeah. so you know there's there there are you know large amount of our audience um are uh you know uh, younger generation who may just have started and uh you know look at this crazy market lots of um you know assets are inflated um yep. they're finding themselves hard to get into and rate rate are are jacking high you know um what 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 would be the the do's and don'ts that you give to those younger folk who may just started or just thinking to start, like, like what would you tell them?
1: Yep. First of all, um, very first thing would be to start. Um, I did not buy, I did not start real estate investing until I was about 45 years old. Um, fast forward four years, I'm financially, financially free. Had I started 20 years earlier or 25 years earlier, I could have become financially free potentially 20 years earlier, right? So you know the old saying, like, what's the best time to plant a tree? Well, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time to plant a tree is today. So start investing now. Um, The advice that I'm I'm going to be giving my children when they're old enough is um, consider house hacking and buying a bigger house than you need and renting out the rooms to someone else or getting an ADU and renting that out. I think house hacking hands down is the best way to get into real estate and then trade up every two to five years. Um, And if you do that over the course of 10 years or so, the wealth generation is just unbelievable. If you can buy a new single family asset every two to five years and keep the old one and rent it out in cash flow, it's an amazing wealth generation tool. Um, I I would also go on to say that um, passively investing in deals, whether through something like a tribe vest or in some of these five Oh six B offerings that can be a fantastic way to pair up with some friends or family. And everybody puts two or three or five grand in. And if you can double two or three or five or $10,000 every three to four years, that starts to mushroom very, very quickly. So even mm-hmm. if you're in a W-2 and all you can do is save a couple hundred dollars a month, that's $2,500 a year that if you can, if you can do 2500 or 5000 or 10000 a year, put that in an Excel sheet and see what that looks like if it doubles every three to four years. Like, you'll get very excited um, when you the see how quickly that grows. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And And I will say that as I'm leaving my W-2 career, and sorry, you just asked for one, but here's three. I would think very, very heavily about whether you invest, you invest in 401ks or not. Um, the The standard rule of thumb is invest in your 401k, definitely put the minimum in that they match. Um, I'm not so sure that that's the best route anymore. I think if you invest passively in real estate, your funds will grow much, much faster and you get access to them before you turn 59 and a half. So mm-hmm. um, just because it shows up on a, on an option as a benefit with your company does not mean that that's the right thing to do. So
0: good idea. That's a very good advice. Um, what are the don'ts?
1: What are the don'ts?
0: Um, Cause well, that's I a mean, good a, a, you know, a lot of people would be able to get the ideas of what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But what's, not to do because mistake is something that you can really learn from others yep. and try not to make the same mistake. But yep. success may not be, you know, rep, uh, repeatable sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. So it, it's, it's funny. I think that everybody knows success leaves key, leaves key or um, clues, right? So everybody knows that. Like if you want to, if you want to find success, go see, go find somebody that's done it and replicate what they do. And something I'm learning just recently, though, is that, um, like, mirroring somebody else will get you about ninety percent of the way. But like being true to yourself and being authentic, both internally and externally, and being one hundred percent the person that you are, is what leads to astronomical success, right? You're mm-hmm. never going to be on the cover of times trying to be somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or time magazine. So, um, so I would just say like, go deep within and find out who you are and then be that person fully. And I think that's where one, you're going to feel the flow and you're going to find that flow state, but three, you're going to be the guy that or the woman or, or the, they, they, that you can be, right? So all that being said, um, y- you don't know what you don't know as well. So make sure to continue to educate. And, and probably the biggest mistakes that I've made in real estate is that I've hired an expert and then I've ignored the advice that they gave me. So if you're going to go out to experts, like do what they say, <laughs> you know? So um, yeah. we, we bought a house in Atlanta And we hired a structural engineer to take a look at it. And Mm -hmm. the guy said, uh, this, like the whole structure needs to be redone. Uh, Like the whole foundation needs to be redone. Well, we talked to our realtor and our realtor convinced us, no, I think we're going to be fine because I got a guy who can fix it. (laughs) And we ended up buying a house that ultimately was a teardown. That um, we were not able to renovate, we ended up having to sell that thing for a loss, and we were very, very grateful to sell it for what we actually sold it for. Yeah. We almost lost; we could have lost hundred grand plus on that deal. So, mm-hmm. um, hire experts and then do what they say.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very good advice
1: too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, a a lot of time, younger people um, who just get started, uh, we thought we know a lot, you know, Especially <laughs> nowadays, uh, you get to listen to many people. Many opinions, many you know, uh, you know, just just uh, uh, hearsay, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 you you would you would trust the one who looks to be the 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 most pretty, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, someone who 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 you, you you like you find appealing and things like that, and you just follow the advice. But that may not be the advice that really you should be listening to. Very yeah. good. Yeah, Randy, I, I, I really appreciate the do's and don'ts because, you know, like most most of our guests um, are offering different do's and don'ts. And I, I really hope those advice and input offer uh, value to the younger generation. Um, I believe the younger generation are, you know, when they're just gets, getting started, it's probably one of the most uncertain time. Of, of of our time. Right. And, um, you know, they're probably confused and, and just look for direction. Right. Yeah. So and to be honest, we, we don't really know the directions. Right. We know some of it, but we don't know it all. Right.
1: When, and I think one, one was another mistake I made when I was younger. I was so worried about what decision I was making. And I think it's less important on on what you choose to do, but just choosing to do something and going all in on it. Because you can do, I, I love the saying, you can do absolutely anything, but you can't do everything. But right. you got to start, right? Mm-hmm. So pick something and do it. And um, if you don't, if, if you don't win, you'll learn, and you'll take that into your next your next opportunity. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Randy, there's one more topic that you briefly touch on. I think you can offer tremendous value to it. Was for the people who are holding W2 right now. Um, when those people found they're not really aligned with the thing they're doing, when they're not really enjoying their W2, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Like, because, you know, given the way the W2 first is pretty hard. Because that's your comfort zone, right? Yep. And 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 of course, if if, if you're being asked to to uh, you know quit W two, then that's a different story. But for most yep. of people, they're holding W two as their safety net. Yep. What would you? Yeah. Think? So
1: the 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 W two they talk about the golden handcuffs, um, where they pay you so much money that you're afraid to leave. And I I definitely experienced that. Um, but I, I will share with you, like regardless of how secure you think you are in your job, um, you can get the phone call where you get the word that, you know, you've done amazing things for us, but you know, we're we're going a different direction. Um, I've received that twice after two 10 year careers. Um, so, you know, if you if you find what your passion is or if you find something that you're interested in, um, you know, this idea of the side hustle or working on nights and weekends or, or dedicating a certain amount of time to something else. Um, um, it's a really, really great way to see if that's something that could potentially sustain your lifestyle afterwards. And, you know, um, I mentioned earlier that I, I think it was probably a gift that I ended up getting let, let let go. But as I look back now, I wish I would have started working harder on this well, I still had the security of the job because there are still some gaps between the lifestyle and the income that is there. So, um, you know, the easiest thing in the world is to do something else until your income exceeds what your lifestyle is. And then it, you've got no reason to, or you certainly have more options
0: um, Mm -hmm. and
1: you can pick and choose what you do with your W-2. So my advice is find some type of side hustle that you love and you're passionate about and, Spend your time there. Find a hobby that you can make money on. Definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, get to the point that you are financially free, and That's it. you get the freedoms to choose what you are you know enjoy and and have passion with.
1: Absolutely, and and you can either increase your passive income to a certain level, or you can actually decrease your lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people that live on three to $4,000 a month and um, you know, to think of doing that now would be, would be hard. But um, if you do the right things financially, you can live a very full life on, you know, much less than what you think you can. Right. So. Randy, there's one more topic
0: that I always touch on uh, with our recent guests was um, with a market condition like this. um should we still invest? If so, why? And what, what what's your advice, you know, jumping into investing?
1: Yeah. Right so, now? so short answer, yes. Uh, um, the dollar sitting in a bank account today with inflation at 9.1% or losing value um, every single month that passes, you're almost losing 1% of the value of the asset that's sitting in the bank. Okay. Um, So even if you were to invest in something that would do moderate and make three to four to five percent per year, that's a 15 percent spread um, if you look at the inflation piece there as well. okay. so um, absolutely. Does it mean that you maybe need to go in a different direction or look at different asset classes that do better during recessions or during uh, downtimes in the economy? Absolutely. Um, But if you look at the people that acquire real wealth, um, generational wealth, they continue to invest in high times and low times, and the only constant is yes, they keep investing. Um, so, absolutely and, resound- and resoundingly, yes, invest. Very nice.
0: So, guys, you, now you have it—the uh, advice from uh, experienced investors uh, who's been doing uh, great stuff and and been been really successful. Uh, Randy, is there anything else that we didn't touch on and you believe you have to touch on before uh, we wrap up here?
1: No, I, I, this was a great conversation. I love the message and I love the audience, uh, what you're trying to share with the audience. So yeah, no, thank you. It's just a pleasure being on with you. I think you're a fantastic interviewer. So
0: thank you, Randy. Um, uh, there's, there, there's two quick questions that we ask all the, the guests. One is, what's your uh, favorite books or the books that you would recommend people to read?
1: Okay. I So I'm a big uh, Benjamin Hardy um, and uh, Darren Sullivan or Dan Sullivan reader. So I love his entire series. And those are always the ones that I say, so the who, not how, or gap in the gain, or personality is It perfect, like all of those, I absolutely love those, but I say those all the time. So I'm going to go back to two that um, I literally looking through my, Goodreads, which is a really cool app to track your re- your reads in. There's two different books, and they're a little contradictory. But one is the Millionaire Next Door, and the Millionaire Taught Next Door literally talks about the guy who lives next door that drives, you know, the eight year old car and and wears the Levi's and buys his suits from J.C. Penney's. Granted, this was probably 30 years ago that this book was published. Um, but the the true millionaires are not the guys that are. Um, flashing the Rolexes and the, and the things like that. So um, the way to wealth is, is accumulation, right? And then another right. one called The Magic of Thinking Big. So these are two books that I probably read for the first time over 20 years ago that are a big part of the foundation of my belief system in the space today. Awesome. Brandy, um, how, how do people uh, find you?
0: Social media, so- website?
1: Yeah, so easiest way to find me is LinkedIn under Randy Smith. Um, My website is impactequity.net, and I am on Instagram at at salesguyinvestor. Um, So any one of those places, or you can email me, randy at impactequity.net. But yeah, if you have any interest in passive investing or just learning about the space, uh, schedule some time. I'd love to connect.
0: Thank you, Randy. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for
1: coming to our show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.